Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing Jaws from 1975, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Carl Gottlieb and Peter Benchley, based on the 1974 novel by Peter Benchley, starring Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfus, Robert Shaw, and Lorraine Gary. In this film, a chief of police, a marine biologist, and a salty sailor aim to thwart a deadly shark who has been terrorizing their beach community. If you're new to the show, we're going to talk about the movie spoiler-free for the first 15 or 20 minutes here. But then once we play some transition music, we're going to go into spoiler mode and walk through the plot. So if you haven't seen it and you are hearing that transition music, you should duck out, go watch the movie, and then come back and listen to us spoil it and review it. And we are joined today by Whitney, who is the co-host of Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast. If you're at all a fan of Stranger Things, you've got to check out Scoops Ahoy. Whitney and her co-host Colin do an excellent job over there. And Whitney, welcome back to the show. Thanks. It's been a while. It's been a while. I don't even remember the last movie that we did. Was it the Mortuary? Mortuary Collection. I want to say that was like January of 2021 or something. Oh, gosh. It has been a long time. Or maybe 2022. Either way, it's been at least yeah, a year and a half. Yeah, it's been a while. Maybe two and yeah. a half. Yeah, because I came on there after you guys were on the now defunct Lights Camera Now, I think. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah, and, it's good and to be back. You can, Yeah, welcome back. And listeners, you can I think you can watch us join Whitney and her co-host Lauren on the, the podcast that is no more, but was called yeah. Lights Camera Now. And we have... <laughs> We can all thank Big Turkey for its demise. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Adam. Uh, yeah, you can find it on the Lights, Camera, No YouTube, but just the first one because I never uploaded the – I don't think I uploaded the Final Destination, or maybe we weren't recording video yet then, but we did Face Off for sure is on there. Oh, wait. So we did Final Destination, Face mm-hmm. Off, and The Faculty. Oh, three movies? Oh, gosh. I didn't realize that, but yes. Yeah, I wow. think so. So wait, what was the first one? First one was Final Destination. Okay. Then I think the faculty, and then I think Face Off. Yes. It was just me and Lauren for Face Off at that point, I think. They oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that was like toward, yeah, that was definitely the later part because it was, we were recording it for YouTube. Right. But, right. Yeah. It's fun. You guys should check it out and see what Brian and Austin look like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, good times. It's been too long. Um, but part of the reason you're here, mm-hmm. you are a big Jaws fan wearing your Jaws sweatshirt right now. Yes, it's actually my Jaws 3D sweatshirt, but um, I actually have a Jaws t-shirt, but it's black. I, you know how I feel about black t-shirts, not a fan, and it's just sort of memorabilia. So I have a whole Jaws section behind me, so... Yeah, it's been a favorite since I was little. I was way too young to watch it, and it terrified me, and I immediately loved it. So, yeah, I really like the color of that uh, sweatshirt. Is that like a light green? No, it's gray. It's like a oh. heather gray, but then it's like screen printed on it. But it's like the there's this site called T Public, and you can literally find any movie and put it on a sweatshirt. Sweet. I have nice. several from there. So nice. yeah. Yep. Um. Well. We're going to talk a lot about Jaws, but tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about Scoops Ahoy before we get going here and tell listeners where they can find you. 
Yeah. So Scoops Ahoy is obviously a Stranger Things podcast. We do a deep dive into every single episode of the show. And now we have recorded, you know, all all the episodes that are available on Netflix. And we always call it the Deep Dark Void as we wait for season five. And it recently got much deeper and darker with the, you know, the writer's strike. So now we have no idea when it's returning. And so Colin and I are doing either we call them influence episodes where we'll focus on a movie or a TV show that in like influenced stranger things. We'll do deep dives into characters, like specific ones. I mean, it by who knows, we might even get into like, you know, Heather, the lifeguard at some point, because like we're going to run out of stuff before, you know, we, we already cut it down to two a month instead of weekly because we just don't know when it's going to be back. And but, one of those uh, influence episodes was, about Joss, right? Yes, yes. Stranger Things is season one, especially, is very, very influenced by Jaws. It's the whole monster and strange. I don't want to spoil it if you guys haven't watched it, but it, the whole monster and Stranger Things has a very similar hunting technique, I guess you would say, to Jaws. And it's got that whole, you know, you don't really see the monster thing that Spielberg had. So it's, I mean, the Duffer brothers said that it's like one of the biggest influences on season one. So yeah, we've covered it. That's really cool. That was interesting to hear that episode. Yeah. Cool. You two of yeah. your passions combined in that one. I know there's a lot and there's a lot of horror. So it's fun to do. Like it's fun to, we did one and it's so funny cause we have a much younger audience and we did alien. Cause it's like a huge, a huge like influence on it on season two. And half of our, our listeners like emailed in. We're like, well, I wasn't allowed to watch it. So I'm just going to talk about, you know, something else. <laughs> they were like not allowed to watch it. Like we were like, Oh, sorry guys. <laughs> it gets into a weird gray area. Your show mm -hmm. is much cleaner than yeah. ours. Yeah. But when we find out there are really young people listening, my first reaction is like, Oh, that's really cool. And then I'm also like, Oh, oh well, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> especially yeah. when they join our discord, which is, downright raunchy sometimes yeah yeah. yeah there was one little girl from scoops that joined she heard me talk about you guys on scoops and she joined the discord and i was like oh no oh no you've got to go like get out of here <laughs> <Earmuffs. laughs> yeah mom yeah. close your eyes yeah. you. i'll escort you <laughs> so many raunchy things happening here <laughs> Well, yeah, well, good that you're joining for something like Jaws as opposed yes. to something yeah. a bit more intense, though. Yeah. This movie and actually at, at this point in the show, we usually talk about like what subgenre a movie is in. Mm -hmm. So this could be a good transition into whether or not you consider this horror. It's, it was rated PG, but it was before there was a PG-13, but it's pretty intense. I think I would consider it a horror movie. But what do each of you think, Whitney? You oh were yeah, kind of I think it, terrified. Yeah, I. I mean, I always say this was the '80s, and so in people, I, I don't know what my mom was doing. Like, I don't know why Brenda was letting me watch what I was watching when I was four years old. But like, I mean, I seriously watched it when I was four, and it had been out. You know, I it had been out for five years at that point. No, nine years, and it was. I don't know. I was fascinated by how scary it was because you couldn't see anything, but you knew something was beneath the surface and just the opening scene is oh it's like nightmare inducing so yeah ashwin do you consider it horror 
Uh, I, I'm struggling with it. Uh, I definitely, yeah, the, the the beginning and like probably like the first half, I could see a lot of elements of horror. Obviously, the marketing is very mm-hmm. horror and the soundtrack and the production and everything. But uh, I think when it comes to that third act, I struggle to see because at that point, you're kind of just hunting a little bit. And uh, I, yeah. I feel like the tables are kind of turned. So I, I don't know if it if it uh, if it closes out as horror or not. But what do, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, that's a great point. I think we'll talk more about that as we go through the plot, but it definitely shifts its tone into a bit more of drama. an adventure movie. Yeah, drama oh, yeah. adventure. Mm-hmm. It's funny because in, in your episode where of Scoops Ahoy, where you are doing Jaws as an influence on Stranger Things, Colin plays a clip. He plays the entire trailer for yeah. Jaws. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it is very much marketed uh-huh. as a horror movie and the voiceover and everything. It's Yeah. It's menacing. It's a mm-hmm. deep voice, and there's actually a clip I just saw it recently of uh, John Williams did the score, right? I think that's yes. He was talking like it was him and Spielberg in an interview, and Spielberg thought he was joking when he was like, "I have the theme. I've got. I think this is it." And he just did the da da, <laughs> and he looked at Spielberg, and Spielberg was like, "Keep going, like yeah, more? <laughs> the rest of it." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, that's it. <laughs> it's two notes. It's, like, that's it. <laughs> it's funny because it's it's definitely I would say it's easily the most iconic horror movie score. Like between that horror, and Halloween. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I think horror movie fans could debate like which is the best. But I think if you played a series of like five horror scores for the average person, Jaws would be the most recognizable. Oh yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even like we always had a pool growing up. And even like when I was little, my brother, like if I was taking a bath at night, my brother would stand outside the bathroom door and do the theme. And I would like hightail it out it, like just the bathtub because I was just like, I didn't want to be in water. Like, I, you know, I'm like six years old, like streaking down <laughs> and the And then hall. your brother just gets like trampled by a <laughs> naked fleeing Whitney. Yes, like running. It's terrifying. Water everywhere. Yeah. yeah, I swear if I heard the jaw scene while I was in a pool, I'd have to get out. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Well, they show so little of the shark towards the beginning. The theme is essentially like a stand-in for a visual of the monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they really do cool. that um, They do that thing in, in, I don't know where it is exactly, maybe a couple places, where they have like a big screen and people like watch it on the lake in their inner tubes. I couldn't do it. Like, I really don't think I could watch that movie while floating in an inner tube. Whoa, like a movie's on water? Yeah, like they do, you know, like the projector screens that you can have outdoors. They'll put it up on a dock somewhere. That's awesome. There's like one big like gathering, and I think it's in Texas that they do it. Mm, But I couldn't, I would not. Yeah. I'm not even that scared by the movie, but I don't think I, I don't know, I wouldn't be super comfortable with that either. (laughs) No, it's just like the eeriness of it. Like, I remember seeing the fourth one in the theater and pulling my feet up. In the seats, it's just, wow. yeah. yeah, it's seriously it's pretty powerful uh, storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not super comfortable with water anyway, so yeah, yeah me either. I don't need all that combined together. <laughs> nope, in one place. nope, I'm good. <laughs> uh, so this was directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, this was kind of his rise to fame, essentially. Uh, John Williams, I think, is essentially came on the scene pretty big as a composer too with that score that we were just talking about. Uh, yeah, Spielberg would go on to do tons of adventure movies, uh, including Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Jurassic Park, 
forgot he did Hook. Oh, oh I didn't know that either. I, I don't think I ever realized that was him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Rotten Tomatoes score, 97 from critics, 90 from users. It's a very acclaimed movie, if there are any youngsters who are listening. I think the mm-hmm. biggest takeaway is for a youngster, like, hey, what is Jaws? Yeah. The theme song is the most iconic. Yeah. And then it's noted as, like, paving the way for summer blockbusters. Like, it mm-hmm. it set the prototype of a blockbuster, both structurally as a movie and commercially. Like, hey, we, we market this heavily on TV. It's big. It's loud. It's action-packed. We spend a lot of money, but it's going to make a lot of money. And movies just weren't really like that before, and Mm-mm. they very much were afterwards. Yeah. What What were people doing over the summer if, like, uh, you didn't have these summer blockbusters? I didn't. I didn't Dying like what... from sharks. <laughs> yeah, getting eaten <laughs> in the ocean. Got it. So this is like a PSA that came out. Yes. Not feel from exactly. <laughs> well, and it's funny because like it is created like so many like cultural landmarks like over time. Like there are so many like throwbacks to you know the mayor. Or like if you if you've kids and you've seen Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the mayor in that movie is based on the mayor from Jaws and he has on like the same suit and tie and the same, you know, and it's it's funny, like you see stuff where people will be like, it's important to vote in your local elections. Just think about it. The mayor from Jaws is still the mayor in Jaws, too. <laughs> like, so, I mean, there's just a ton of stuff that's happened from it over the years. It is a huge influence on pop culture. And I think there's stuff that like you don't even realize is a reference mm-hmm. to Jaws until someone tells you like, yeah, I won't say it here because it's a spoiler for the end. But there is something in a video game I played a lot as a kid. And then when I watched this again, I was like, oh, that video game was referencing Jaws. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. there's a production company and it's a very popular TV show. And I could not tell you right now what it is i know i've seen it but at the end their little logo is that some bad hat harry that's like what they say at the end oh i know you've heard it because i want to say it's either new girl or something like really popular like a like a sitcom and that's from jaws that's roy scheider's character saying that to someone on the beach in jaws like and it's just so random but it's like stuck through the years I yeah. think that this movie has a it's so packed with dialogue, not just from the characters, but background dialogue like the town is just <laughs> always talking in the background. And you can I think that's one thing that big fans of Jaws love about the movie is you can pick up more and more mm-hmm. stuff the more you watch it. And you probably just have one random line that's like your favorite, even though it would yes. make sense to nobody else. Yes. yes. It's definitely a what? <laughs> <That's my laughs> <Yeah>. Favorite line. <laughs> oh, from the guy after they catches the tiger shark. Yes. <laughs> Pete Davidson does like a whole like skit on it in one of his routines. Oh, uh, I haven't seen that. He's like, you know, that's just somebody's uncle. Like that was like, hey, he's working on a movie. Can I be in it? <laughs> that guy, like, they were like, you just need to say what, and that's how he <laughs> he's like, this is my shot. I'm gonna nail this what. Yeah, what? And a what? <laughs> um, the woman who plays—I don't want to spoil anything, but once we're flowing, we're flowing. The woman who played Alex Kintner's mom was like a local. I think she mm-hmm. was a teacher at an acting school, but like yeah. that's one of the most powerful and well-acted scenes in the movie. Yeah, when she confronts uh, Brody, it's just yeah. like, oh, and okay. there's a, a 
a deli or whatever you want to call it, like where they serve fish and it's up there on the East Coast somewhere near Martha's Vineyard. And they have a sandwich called the Alex Kittner. And the lady went in and saw that and was like, I played his mom in the movie and the guy didn't believe her. And she was like, no, really? And she showed him and like they had this pic. It's like you can find it on the Internet, but like there was a picture of them together and she like visited his little, you know, sandwich shop or whatever. Oh, nice. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Have you have you been out there? No, I have actually never been to Martha's Vineyard. Every mm. time Colin is gone, I, him or his wife, Holly, have like picked out like I, my fridge is like Jaws magnets. Like it's all Jaws stuff because they'll pick out something <laughs> from there and send it to me. Cool. Nice. Be, That's awesome. Fun to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we talked about how big this was. It was a budget of nine million, which was supposed to be like three or four million, but they kept going over budget. Partially because this was the first major motion picture done like on the ocean. So they didn't really know what they were getting into. Yeah. But the box office was four hundred and seventy six point five million, which was the highest grossing film of all time for two years until Star Wars came out. Mm. Preserved in the National Film Registry. It was a big deal. Oh, yeah. Had three sequels, which are all bad. It sounds no, like no. The second one's actually really good. OK, mm. OK. Two is all two almost almost eclipses one for me. Two wow. is more fun. Someone has requested Jaws two. Well, maybe it was you. It's probably, <laughs> I'm probably just like doing like different anonymous emails every week. Like, what about Jaws two? What about Jaws three? Have you thought about Jaws? <laughs> Have you guys thought about Jaws four? <laughs> uh, none of those are Spielberg though, are they? No, and Roy, now Lorraine Gray. Is it Lorraine Gray? Is that her name? Or Gary? Lorraine Gary? Lorraine Gray. You know, in my head, I said Lorraine Gray, and then I thought I looked at it again and was like, oh, wait, it's actually Gary. I might. I can't remember. I probably flipped some things around. Well, regardless, she's in one, two, and four. And Roy Scheider is in two. And the only reason is because he was under contract. He did not want to do two. Oh, he no way. was really pissed off about it and did not... And he had some contract and he was supposed to do three, I think. And he somehow got out of it and didn't have to do the third one. Um, but Lorraine Gray is married, was married to someone like maybe a producer or something. She is. So it is Lorraine Gary. Gary. And she was the wife of the president of Universal at the time. Yes. Uh, and so, that's who distributed the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. So she was in one. I don't know why she's not in. They all take place in, like, three is in SeaWorld in Florida, and four uh-huh. is in the Bahamas. And the shark is stalking them. Like, it is stalking this the, the Brody family. So. <laughs> it's a smart shark. Mm-hmm. It has a psychic connection to the mom. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's wild. Those yeah. span 12 years. Jaws 2 is 1978. Jaws 3D was 1983. And Jaws the Revenge, which was the fourth one, 1987. I saw that it was considered one of the worst movies ever made. Would you it, agree? It, absolutely. The shark, when it comes out of the water, when it gets... I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it a little bit. Because we all know what happens to the shark in all of these movies. But there, it roars like a lion. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it makes the same sound as a lion. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, and it is able to propel itself up out of the water like like it, it's bizarre and there's a whole 
it was actually a book first and there's a whole like voodoo subplot. Oh, wow. Ties in to the psychic connection between the mom and the shark and it's stalking, you know, one of the sons and her. I don't know. But it has one of the most terrifying scenes with the banana boat scene. Like right, the, I, didn't see I guarantee you've seen it because they always use it in like it'll be like one of those clickbait ads at the bottom and it'll say like. One of the worst, here are the 10 worst shark attacks of all time. And it's that scene from the movie like, that did not happen. Like, it's a lady getting her leg bit off on a banana boat. And I'm like, that didn't. And yes. she's in the shark's mouth. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> we, I think uh, we need to do like some specials every once in a while, Ashwin, where we cover like some of the worst horror movies ever made. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It would be I, so be fun. Cool. Um, I, I know this one was based off a of book. So you're saying there's uh, books for the other ones too. And was it the same author? No, Peter Benchley. And I don't know if I'm taking some of this from you. Do, are we going to talk about Peter Benchley? No, like, go for it. You old, go. So Peter Benchley actually regretted the whole like craze that happened after Jaws. And he started a foundation like to save the sharks because <laughs> everyone was going out to kill these sharks afterwards. And it turns out they're not. You can tell me this all you want. You can tell me that sharks don't like the taste of people, but I'll never believe you because <laughs> there's a reason that you get eaten. It's not like they take a bite and spit it out. They're not like eating a leg and like, Pugh. like they're they're just they're eating. <laughs> like <what? laughs> They hand yeah. it back. Yeah. Thought you were no. Yeah. No, they don't do that. But Peter Benchley actually did not he, – he felt really bad about all the hate that mm. Great White Shark got after this film took off. And he started a foundation, like, raising money for marine life. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Mm. That's really yes. cool. Mm-hmm. Sad and cool. Yes. I wouldn't uh, be upset if this went extinct, though. I'm going to tell you. I'd feel a lot safer. <laughs> on, on the topic of uh, animals, uh, Whitney, one thing I remember about you is, like, you can't – or you don't like to watch movies that, oh. like, uh, where dogs get hurt. So I'm surprised Jaws is so uh, – uh, you're such a big fan of it. Is it just dogs that you're worried about, or yeah? Spread... But oh, are the animals? But, well, okay? I mean, maybe mammals, mammal focused. Yeah, like, Man but mammals. I mean, even in like, there's a scene in the Met. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna spoil. Like, if like if, if like animals die, I don't know if that's like considered a spoiler for your listeners. I think you can go ahead. But there's a scene in the Meg where uh, an orca gets killed, and I have to fast forward it every time. Like, I can't. I just. I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me. It just bothers me. To, I think it's because they're just in it. It just makes me too sad. And I will literally think about it. Even though I know it's fake, I'll think about it for hours. Yeah. Afterwards. All right. My mammal theory checks out then if you're upset yeah. about an orca. <laughs> yeah. <Mammal>. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, I like I, I didn't mind crawl, like the, the alligators. Like, yeah. You know, Stupid that, reptiles. Yeah. They're dumb. They just got that lizard brain. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. It's starting to make sense. Yeah. Jurassic yeah. It's Park all coming together. Sense. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do we want to talk about? This won some awards. Uh, what did it win? It won an Academy Award for Best Editing, Best Original Dramatic Score, and Best Sound. It's, I think, pretty notable for its cinematography. And I'm surprised that it wasn't at least nominated for Best Cinematography. Yeah. Mm. May or what like give me an example of what you're talking about. Like like just the like okay, so the Dolly Zoom shot on Brody, for example, when he sees mm, Alex on the, the beach yes. and you know, yeah. like it okay. looks like the background is going yeah. farther away from him. Just 
there's a lot of that kind of work that's just really impressive and really adds to the story. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was shots. even nominated for that. Um, mm. But yeah. Um, but it was shot by a dude named Bill Butler. And that year he was nominated for Best Cinematography, but for One <laughs> Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh. Yeah. And that's that weird one. That they came out the same year. Isn't that weird? Yeah. They, I think of. I think of Cuckoo's Nest as so much older for some reason. Yeah, yeah. And that won Best Picture instead of wow. Jaws. Huh. Well, Spielberg didn't, like, there were so many issues when they were making this movie. Like, he said he would never film another movie on the water ever again because he hated it. Like, we were originally supposed to, I feel like this is old news, like, everybody knows this. We were originally supposed to see, like, way more of the shark right. than we saw. And it just kept having mechanical failures over and over and over again and, like, there were all these issues with uh, Robert Shaw had a really serious drinking problem. Uh, him and Richard Dreyfus did not get along. Uh, there was a day where I can't remember, like he showed up just like, I mean, I think it's the scene where there, he's talking about the USS Indianapolis and he, it, I think he was just absolutely wasted that day. And they, he got through that scene or something, but he and Dreyfus had it out. Like they did not, they had several like close calls. I think it was just a very tense set. I That's learned cool. all this from intense research, everybody, but I can tell that Whitney's just kind of talking about a movie she likes and <laughs> yeah, just basically came and sat down in front of us and was like, yes. so what's up? The story of Jaws. Let's talk yeah. about Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is number 56 on AFI's 100-year 100, 100 movies list, which is essentially a list of the best movies of all time. There is so much background info on this movie. It all exists in Whitney's head. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of wondering if we of my should... head is Jaws. Yeah, it's Jaws knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, be... ta- ta- talking about how the film's a disaster, uh, or like, yeah, it was, it was a mess to shoot. Uh, isn't that kind of interesting that Spielberg, like this is his second or third film, and uh, do you think like maybe he was in way over his head and like, uh, isn't it like, I'm, I'm surprised he's like still around given like, this went like twice uh, over budget than it was supposed to. It was like supposed to be like four million to nine million. And he had like all these like kind of ridiculous ideas on how to make this. It just sounds like it should have shut, shut this guy down. Well, I think it was just because it was, I think if it hadn't, if it had flopped at the box office, I think we wouldn't know Steven Spielberg, Spielberg as we know him today. Like, I think he would have, sure. you know, gone away and not been, you know, but I think he did close encounters this after this, right? Yeah. Like a year That's or two afterwards. After. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like Jaws was like his first really, really big hit. But yeah. then he just got on a roll. And then he hit that sweet spot in the 80s with like those E.T. heartfelt yeah. like kid movies, but not kid like action adventure with like Indiana Jones, E.T., all that stuff. And that's, you know, how he got to where he is today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. He got pretty lucky here with it. Uh, mm-hmm. being a financial success. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think agree. he was only 26 years old for Jaws. Right. Yeah. And they, they like he... They just said the entire thing, like, shoot. I can't imagine how hard it is to shoot on water. Yeah. Just yeah. On, and, like, not like a controlled area of water either. Like, not like you're in, like, a pool making it look like the ocean. They were in the actual ocean. Like, so it just seems insane to me. I don't know how he did it. Yeah, he had some quotes like that where he's like, the logical thing to do would have been to do <laughs> yeah. it in a pool yeah, exactly. or, like, a controlled environment. But I was, like, young and dedicated and, like, mm-hmm. cocky and thought we could do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of how they did it, too, is thanks to Bill Butler, the cinematographer. It sounds like he just designed all sorts of stuff like 
a special platform for the camera so it could shoot both above mm-hmm. and below the water line, which makes for some really cool moments in the movie. And they used a handheld. There was apparently a cameraman named Michael Chapman who was really good at just like bending his knees in sync with the boat. So like it Uh-oh. didn't rock like crazy. Uh, yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff was really interesting. Well, they, they had an, this actually, I don't know if this is true or not. I want to say I've heard that this is true, that the girl who played Chrissy and she's the first person that happens to be in the water you know the opening like i i don't know do we want to save this for after it's like literally the opening scene but yeah i think that's okay okay it's the opening scene go for it so they had a contraption you know how she's being jerked back and forth Mm -hmm. well they had a contraption beneath the water with like around her waist and they would literally like she didn't know when she was going under so she would literally scream like those were real screams coming out of her but i think at one point they pulled at the same time, the two wow. men, and it like severely like injured her back. And she had like a major like life altering back injury after oh that scene, after filming this. Oof. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those screams were no joke. That's the most terrifying scene in the movie, if you ask me. Oh, yes, for sure. It is awful. It yeah. is just mm-hmm how she comes up out of the water and she's like, <laughs> like she can't catch her breath. It's just, I don't know. I think I would just die of a heart attack. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, my body would just be like, we give up. Bye. <laughs> like the shark would not get a hot meal out of me. Like I would just die immediately from a heart attack and that would be it. <laughs> Spits it back out then. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I this hate guy's you. already dead and he's yeah. soiled himself. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Many times Gross. over. <laughs> Let me get my money back. <laughs> Um. yeah and it sounds like part of like the complicated things they had to do is maybe part of why they just kept going it was basically like they're over budget but there was nothing left to do but finish the movie they had like three <laughs> giant mechanical sharks built we're gonna like kill this we're gonna yeah. film this if it kills us <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's like yeah, I, didn't, I don't think i realized that they had three different mechanical sharks there were three Bruces, from what I understand. Bruces. Well, it's yeah. in Bruce in Finding Nemo, the shark. Oh, uh, yeah. That's from there Jaws. You go. Hmm? Didn't connect to Australian? Yes. Oh, yeah. Fish there offerings, not food. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, there's a ton of background, but I say we hit the Ohio connection and, and keep going and walk through the plot if that's cool with you guys. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. All right. Our Ohio connection is done, as always, by our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. If you're in Northeast Ohio, swing by Jukebox for some beer and some food. They have a great patio. Oh, I forgot. Half the reason we're doing this is it comes out on the first day of summer. Happy summer, everybody. (gasps) Oh, felt like Jaws would be the perfect movie for that. It is. Watch it outside in some water, a body of water. (laughs) It'll be fine. You won't soil yourself. No. (laughs) Uh, Alex says, Jaws is an iconic thriller film directed by Steven Spielberg, based on the 1974 novel by Peter Benchley. The story centers on a police chief who, with the help of a marine biologist and a professional shark hunter, hunts a man-eating great white shark that attacks beachgoers at a summer resort town. Regarded as a watershed moment in motion picture history, Jaws was the prototypical summer blockbuster and won several awards for its music and editing. Among the cast is Lee Fierro as Mrs. Kintner, who also reprised her role in the final film Jaws The Revenge in 1987. 
In 2017, Lee Fierro moved to an assisted living facility to be closer to her family and ultimately died from COVID-19 in 2020 at the age of 91. Fierro died in Aurora, Ohio. Whoa. Then Alex says, also Spielberg was born in Cincinnati, but I had to go deeper than that. Oh, yeah. That's an easy one. That's a good job, but I would have totally gone with Cincinnati. I'd be like, yeah, Spielberg, Cincinnati. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It doesn't take the easy way out. Uh, Okay. Let's go through the plot. We're going to spoil everything. We're going to review it. But do you guys mind holding on one second? I'm currently at war with a raccoon that likes to get into our trash. And uh, this is the time of night where he usually raids our trash cans. So I'm going to be right back. Yeah, go check that out. Okay. Hey guys, I'm back. Uh, I was finally able to thwart him by covering a can of beer and some of his favorite foods and shaking it up. And then once he went for the beer can, I just shot it with a pistol. Nice. And the rest is history. Oh, yeah. That's how you get him. Yeah. <laughs> the, the next fake break will be me cleaning up the raccoon remains from all over the driveway. Uh, okay, so this movie begins with some young adults partying on the beach at night around a campfire. A young woman named Chrissy whispers something to one of the guys and goes running off to skinny dip in the ocean. He follows her as they both disrobe, but he is clearly intoxicated and essentially passes out before he makes it to the water. Meanwhile, the woman Chrissy is out swimming in the ocean and is attacked by an unseen aquatic assailant. And when we see her go under, we know that she is doomed. We already talked about how scary this is. I feel like she is gargling on water as she's screaming. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, that part really gets me. It's just Mm. the way and the way she comes up out of the water and she's in shock, basically, because she's like she can't catch her breath. She's going <gasps> like, and I feel like that's what you would do when, I mean, would you even know if a shark bit you, would you know what happened or would you just immediately go into shock and not feel anything? Boy. Uh, I, I, I feel like later when like, do sharks just like bite you or do they just like a big shark like this would just eat someone whole. Right. Like would uh, it just, okay. For like, they got to so start I, somewhere. I guess I legit saw a shark attack this week on the internet. Like it, there was some Russian guy in the Red Sea and like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I watched it and it shook him like a dog under the water. Ooh. Yeah. It, wow. You watched him play and then his feet came up and you watched to pull him down. It was awful. And I felt so yeah. sorry for him in the field. I don't know why it's out there. I don't know why I watched it, but I did because I have a weird thing with sharks <laughs> <laughs> and it lit- yeah. it reminded me of that scene. Can't watch a dog die, but I will go online and watch some humans die. <laughs> I got to Google this. That's fine. I'm fine with it. But don't you dare show me a dog die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ashwin, did this rattle you? Um, you know, I agree with everything you guys are saying about the vocal performance here. Like, that's obviously the the height. But the the, the, the suspense going into this, I, I just, I, I don't get it. Like, this is hailed, I feel like, as one of, like, the best openings in a horror film. I've seen it like come up on lists and outside of her screaming, which yeah, I agree is amazing. Uh, it, it just, it feels like too quick and not enough like suspense building. I kind of feel like that guy on the beach who just kind of like takes a nap during all of this. Uh, but what, 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 what works for you guys here? Well, there's the whole silhouette and like the, 
the music, the like, it's almost light and airy a little bit. Like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the type of music that he uses. It's not the da da yet, but it's whimsical kind of, or sort of. And you, it's, you see her legs like up above and you're like from the point of view of the shark, like coming up Mm -hmm. and, you know, and it's just, Oh my, and she doesn't know it's there. It's the whole just. Yeah. And the score is like a little more high pitched and just poking at you a little bit. It's not like something is looming and coming. It's just Mm. like something might be happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But do you guys like care enough about this character at this point to like really be that scared for her? Why care enough? Well, here's the thing. If I was Chrissy, I would have never. Sharks feed at dawn and dusk. You don't go in the ocean <laughs> then. So. Yeah. Right. Ashwin, I don't think you're supposed to care about most of the characters that die in the first scene in a mm-hmm. horror movie. And that's what one of the, you can check the box of horror movie subgenre or genre in for this scene. Like, that's a horror checkbox. This is a mm-hmm. standard opening. Like, this is essentially the same as the first five minutes of Halloween. Like, mm. you see somebody, yeah. you don't know that much about them, you see the villain kill them, you know the threat that's going to loom over the rest of the movie now, and you're a little bit on edge because you just saw someone die. Mm-hmm. Title sequence, the rest of the movie. Like, I agree, mm-hmm. yeah. This is a it's, horror structure, you're not supposed to care. It's a checkbox, but it, I, I just feel like it gets so much acclaim when you have such stronger openings out there in horror films, uh, like, like Scream, uh, where you do care about the character, and get to know them a little bit before, like they're stalked and killed. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, just so don't understand why this one gets so much acclaim. But do when you he says he's seen it on lists, he's probably talking about my top five openings. <laughs> was list. it on your top? Five? <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, okay. I think so. <laughs> but like, familiar. are you in general afraid of bodies of water? Oh, like, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I just don't go in them. Right. Yes. Yeah, see. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. But yeah, that, I think that's what adds to it for me too. Like, I think it's just personal. Like, it's just sure. horrifying to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That hits. Well, uh, you, the next... Uh, but, oh, yeah, you guys wouldn't have, like, appreciated it being a little longer or more dialogue between these two before she goes into the water and uh, dies? I mean, I wouldn't, because I don't like to feel things. Like, I don't want to be sad that she's died. You know, I don't want to get... Like, I feel sad when Casey Becker in the opening of Scream, you know? But with Chrissy, it's like, okay, she's... They're drunk, they're teenagers, they're going swimming at dusk, which is just a huge no-no, and she was all carefree and running into the ocean, and she swam way too far out, so. Yeah, yeah, got it. (laughs) Uh, Or even if, like, that guy was still awake and, like, having him be able to react react to, like, what he sees Chrissy going through, uh, you don't think that would have, like, provided a cool perspective? I I think it could have, and but you do get a... ton of that and see in season two in jaws two there's a mm. lot of that so i feel like maybe they figured that out and then ramped it up got it in the yeah, second yeah. one sure sure i actually kind of like it because it she's just alone like you feel like someone mm-hmm. should be able to help but help is just out of reach got it when she's okay. screaming you know her lungs out like trying to get in that guy is completely passed out <laughs> on the got, beach and it's yeah, yeah. worthless <laughs> yeah yeah all right, so a beautiful woman has just gone into the ocean naked, naked but despite this, Ashwin has just passed out on the shore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the next morning, we meet Chief Martin Brody and learn that he and his family are new to this beachside community uh, of Amity Island. They moved here from NYC, and this is his first summer as police chief here. 
Brody is our main character, and we're with him as the remains of Chrissy are discovered on the beach the next morning. The coroner concludes that she was killed by a shark, and Brody decides to close the beaches of Amity Island to keep folks safe until the shark situation can be resolved. The crabs on the body, you don't see Chrissy's body, but the crabs and everyone's like like vomitous reaction yeah you see like a hand yeah, stick there's her arm and it's like there's like crabs crawling which crabs are gross anyway they're like beach spiders yeah and i think it's it's its own brand of gruesome i mean for well, folks and in the who argue this isn't too, a horror movie they're yeah they're not they're not showing a lot of that stuff in in the 70s like i'm sure that this movie got a but you know how like every time a horror movie comes out you know, if they try to make it the scariest horror movie ever, they'll be like, people are vomiting in the aisles. Oh, yeah. People are the leaving. They can't get, they're leaving crying and all this stuff. But, yeah, I, you know, I feel like this definitely had that treatment after it had been out. And they were, you know, they were trying to advertise it more because I'm sure people were horrified. And I bet if you look, I bet trips, I bet like beach vacations took a dip. Afterwards, <laughs> like kill tourism. I, I, bet, I bet it did. Damn, the mayor's I, fears came true. You're yeah. probably right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like after, I think maybe I'm making this up, but I swear I've read this. After Cujo, like St. Bernard sales dipped <laughs> after Cujo. So I feel like this definitely probably had an effect on vacations to the beach. There are definitely instances like that. Something just flashed across my brain. Not, It's not there enough for me to grasp it yet. But there's been other cultural stuff like this where the sales of a product or like people's activity changed because of a movie. Mm-hmm. And you can like see it in sales. Yeah. That's that's wild. Brian, Brian stopped uh, buying dolls after Megan earlier this year. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very immediate in the doll purchase budget of my home. Yes. <laughs> it's a weird turning point. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's see here. So <clears throat> this brings us to our human antagonist, Mayor Larry Vaughn, who insists that it is not the path that Amity Island should go down to close the beaches. He's clearly of the mindset that the town will lose a lot of money from tourism if the beaches are closed. And he has persuaded the coroner to change his report to indicate that Chrissy's death was from a boat propeller. And Brody reluctantly goes along with the plan to keep the beaches open it seems like legally he may not have had the authority to close them himself. Like there's a, a quick bit of dialogue that was basically like, Hey, uh, you know, by the book, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't just do this on your own. Yeah. And the Is mayor right? was like, what about the 4th of July? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to come to the beach. It was just one person that got eaten. Do you guys feel, did it stick out to you as watching it this time? The similarities to the arguments about COVID back in the day, like yeah, yeah, totally. sacrifice yes. the economy to keep people safe or no, keep on living. We're not going to do that. It's yeah. like it's like every time there's an ice storm, they're like, stay inside for the safety of yourself and others, and people are like, screw that, I'm going to the mall. Like you can't <laughs> tell me what to do. Like that's exactly how it is. Yeah, yeah. classic like business versus uh, government. Kind of mentality here. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of an evergreen theme in fiction and reality. <laughs> yeah. Horror movies know what they're talking about. <laughs> they do. Uh, some thoughts on the movie so far. I, one thing that struck me this time, having not seen it for like 10 years, and I know we talked about this earlier, 
it's just so packed with dialogue from background characters and you really feel like you can kind of like put your finger on the pulse of this town like the town feels like a living mm-hmm. breathing place even if you're not like hey this is joe who owns the hardware store down yeah. the road joe's in the background and he has to throw away line to somebody about his hardware store like yeah not for real but it just as an example you like can pick up on these side conversations and get a really good vibe for the people i thought that was cool like especially on like the beach as he's walking by you hear and then like you also get a little bit of like alex kentner's conversation with his mother and then you know you've got poor pippin who doesn't come back from getting as and it's like that's why i hate this shark that's why i don't feel bad because it ate pippin and he you know you hear all these little bitty side stories as he's walking down the beach and then there's random people coming up to Brody and just saying like they're talking to him about you would think Brody does everything in this town right yeah I love that feel it's so like uh like yeah it feels so realistic and it's also like paced at a like it just feels like a a normal day and someone like kind of going through this Mm -hmm. town uh running into people having random conversations so yeah it really puts you in there yeah it gives us a small town vibe too because it's like an onslaught of the mundane like nothing <laughs> yeah. anyone's talking about is particularly important Mm-mm. the things they're trying to bug brody about are like a karate class karate chopping a, a fence or something it's yeah like, yeah <laughs> and all he's small like potatoes. people there is a shark eating our villagers or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? and they're like hey by the way which also like this is like another like sorry but this is another influence on stranger things like that's the exact sort of feel that they have and like they have like they in season one like hopper recreates like exact there's like exact shots that are recreated like with the typewriter when he's typing out the report from when jaws when in jaws when they type out you know shark attack they type out missing and he drives mm-hmm. the same truck as brody he's the police chief it's all like intertwined yeah that's really cool interesting um so Brody, oh Pippin, by the way, and if anyone was wondering, is a dog. Yes. That's, oh, that's who Pippin was. Oh. <laughs> I knew that was. <laughs> yeah, Pippin there's is a little black, um, like lap, and his owner is throwing him like driftwood to run and chase after on the beach, and he doesn't come back, and it makes me so sad because the the guy's like yelling like Pippin, Pippin, and he doesn't come back because Pippin is now in Jaws's belly. You know, it's never proven that uh, Jaws ate him, right? Maybe Pippin made no, it. No, it's like... the only reason. It's probably the only reason I can still watch this movie. You don't see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pippin wasn't happy and he ran away and started yeah, a new Yes, movie. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Tired of this shit. Uh, also, also I, I think one of the cool tension uh, builders here is Brody. Uh, I think they, they make a point about him being like new to the town. And so mm-hmm. he's kind of feeling like an outsider. He's trying to like win. Uh, he hasn't like won the town's affection yet. He's still kind of like uh, looked at as like a not the island or whatever. So that's kind of a cool setup and like why he might feel like he can't necessarily like go beyond the mayor's word and like shut down the beach. When he's terrified of water. Oh yeah, that's so cool yeah. too. So yeah. like it's this is really his nightmare. Like come like he's gonna have to he actually has to get out on the water to right. You know yeah and, this town and do stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I love that like background on him. Hmm. Yeah, so he's afraid of the water. He's already he's very uneasy about the decision to keep the beaches open. And we see this very intensely through a scene on a crowded beach where Brody's kind of jumping at every raised voice he hears, every perceived threat as swimmers splash and play in the water. 
However, we soon find out that his paranoia is justified when a young boy named Alex Kintner is attacked and killed by a shark uh, as his, the water turns red with his blood and his punctured raft drifts ashore. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, this is between the like opening scene with Chrissy and then finding her body with the crabs and a young boy dying in like a pool like, of blood. I'm like, okay. He is- shoots up out of the water mm. and is like yeah. grasping and there's like blood spurting out everywhere. It's awful. Yeah, I'm surprised this, this is PG. Right. And not yeah. R. Yeah, I would have yeah. thought they would have just gone for R. It's bloody enough. Did you read up, like, was there any controversy around the rating? I don't think I saw anything. Didn't see anything about that. I feel like people didn't care back then, though. Yeah, I was just like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Just, yeah. You know, Poltergeist is rated PG. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I, I thought this was a way more effective kill than the opener, but what do you guys think? Just different or... Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. supposed to be. It's like integral to the plot. It's not just what kicks things off. It's it's meant to it's meant to to hurt. Yeah, and it it yeah. does. And the mom, it's just so. Oh gosh, it's like heartbreaking. Like thinking that she's looking for him, and then she sees his raft, and it's just. Oh, as a parent, yeah. that's terrible yeah. feelings. But also. Like, I never, even Evie was little, like, she was never out of, I was never, like, you can go play in the ocean with this <laughs> <Yeah>. flimsy little raft. <laughs> Have fun. Like, yeah. no. <laughs> That's true. That's pretty black. Uh, let's see. What happens next? So this sends the town into a tumult as Alex's traumatized mother puts out a $3,000 reward for the shark that killed her boy. She also confronts Chief Brody in a very emotional scene in which she smacks him on the face and scolds him for letting people swim, even though they knew Chrissy was killed by a shark. And is basically, in in not so many words, this, my boy is dead and it's entirely your fault. What? As emotional as this scene was, the anger is, it's frustrating as a viewer, and maybe it's supposed to be, because the anger is misplaced. It shouldn't be on Brody, it should be on the mayor, but he just stands there and takes it because... What are you going to do in the face of a mourning mother? Be like, no, 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 wait. Yeah, I didn't do this. Like, yeah. But also, why did she think that he was... I don't know why... I don't know why the blame went to him. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, Yeah. Wait, so, so you think the blame should have been... Like, she should have said that to the mayor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she uh, may not have understood all the politics. Yeah, she didn't know. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, it seemed like natural. Like, isn't public safety... Like, what, what do you guys think? You think Brody's innocent in this kid's death? I, I think he he's somewhat accountable. I mean, he knew he was a shark. And uh, just because, like, he didn't feel, like, empowered enough to uh, make the decision and close the beach and kind of went along with it. Um, I, I, I don't think he's off the hook, is he? I think it was legally out of his hands, but I don't, I'm I, interested to hear Whitney's take. Well, I feel like he, he tried as much as he could, and they were basically like, no... And if you keep pushing at this, you won't have a job anymore. Like Can, he, I feel like he was doing. That's how I always took it. Like he was doing the most he could. Is that is that how like uh, whatever branch of government that is works? Like you have like police, but then like they're overseen by like the mayor. Like they can trump what like police law is. Is that? I have no goes? idea. I yeah. Have, I have no idea who would be in charge of closing the beaches. I would yeah. think the mayor, but I also would have hope that the mayor would. Listen, if someone was like, hey, sure. there's a shark, it's a great white, and it's, right. you know, 
Yeah, yeah, he's obviously like a terrible mayor and like uh, made the wrong call. But uh, yeah, I, 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 part of me thinks like the police still would have like the power to go beyond the mayor and like uh, public safety is ultimately at, their responsibility. At least like put up a warning. I mean, now they have flags sure. at beaches. Like the purple flag means there's dangerous marine life when you go. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I meant just purple flag day. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> Speaking of putting up a sign, I like there was a line and all the like chaos of the opening when Brody first learns about Chrissy and he wants to close the beaches. He tells like somebody to do a sign, make a sign, make signs yeah. like somebody yeah. at the police station. And he's there and pen. he's like, let Polly do the printing. And the guy goes, what's the matter with my printing? And he goes, let Polly do the printing. <laughs> I like that. That's His good. little deputy guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like him. Kind of a fun line. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a grizzled old sailor, though, uh, named Quint offers his services to the town of Amity Island in the amount of 10 grand for him to catch and kill the shark. However, the town seems to calm down once a large tiger shark is captured by some local fishermen who are eager to claim their $3,000 reward from Mrs. Kintner. But a marine biologist named Matt Hooper, who has recently come to town after learning of the death of Chrissy and Alex, insists that this is not the shark. Chrissy's wounds are definitely from shark bites, not a propeller. Uh, and he and Brody... One one night, go on a clandestine outing to cut open the tiger shark, and they find that there are no remnants of Chrissy or Alex in the shark's gut. They also find a sunken vessel with the tooth of a great white shark lodged in its hull, as well as the remains of a local fisherman. We see his like severed head with its eye eyeball missing, and this leads them to con conclude the shark in question remains at large. And the rest of the town comes to the same conclusion the next day when a local fisherman is killed on a crowded beach after Mayor Vaughn all but forces people to swim in the ocean. Brody and his family are also particularly shaken by this as Brody's son was nearby when this happened. He went into shock and he almost drowned. Now, I think the scene where Alex Kintner was killed was executed beautifully. You had the dolly zoom shot on Brody. You had the paranoia of Brody exemplified beautifully by the editing of just like here's where everybody is, here's the sound mix, like here's Brody's reactions to it. This one kind of felt a little more clumsy to me. Brody's kid is in the like pond area and he knows his kid is in there. He doesn't have the, the same sense of urgency as before and he just doesn't even react appropriately to his kid being in shock it seems but I'm interested to hear your takes. Well one... Did the shark put that whole leg in his mouth and then spit it back up? I th it looked like because a, there's yeah. a whole leg that's just a dismembered leg with a tennis shoe still on it floating down. So I'm like, did yeah. it get like down his throat? And then he was like, yeah, <laughs> like, too hairy. That's <laughs> gross. <laughs> Some and weird you know, stuff stuck back in the knee pit. Yeah, just like no, but. I, when I was little, I never understood what I was always like, what is wrong with Alex or Michael? He's being a big baby. Like, he didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> Grow up, right? <laughs> yeah. Grow up. <laughs> yeah. So I never understood what was wrong with him until I was older. And then I was like, oh, he's in shock. But it's still, I'm, I, I'm with you. It felt, and maybe it was just the kids acting. Like he's young. It didn't feel like shock. It just felt like he just wasn't talking after what he saw. Yeah. Yeah. Ashwin, what did you think? Same. I think the sequencing, too, is kind of hard to follow. Uh, like, you, you just see him on top of the boat, and the next scene, he's, like, in the hospital. Uh, so you don't never really understand. And, and yeah, it's so weird, like, how Brody isn't, like, rushing 
uh, at first of the pond. Like his wife just like tells him really calmly, "Oh, that our kid's in the pond." And then also a pond usually isn't. Are, am I using the word pond like incorrectly? Because usually that's not like part of an ocean, is it? Do you guys? It was call- like an inlet, I think. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. So to hit it, the shark had gotten in there, but I thought like I always took it as it didn't register with Brody right away mm, when he maybe. was when she was saying that, and then all of a sudden it hits, and that's when he starts running because he's because Ellen is like, I mean, she's like, my kids are going to be in this water by God, no matter what. Like she's basically like on the bare side. <laughs> like she keeps <laughs> telling Brody that he's overreacting and that, you know, they're fine and all that stuff. But yeah, I felt like he didn't really know that. that he, it didn't, it didn't like click yeah. with him. Yeah. Shock. That, that makes sense. Um, it's also the first time we get to see a little bit of the shark in this film. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that was, wasn't that a real wait. Oh, was that, that was a real shark. They used like they used some like real shark like footage of sharks. There is the some real film. life shark footage. Yeah, but I don't. I can't remember off the top of my head if this is if if this is does it come out of the water? I shouldn't be asking this on the I, podcast that I'm talking I, about. The I movie, think, but I think it's in the water. Uh, like <laughs> I don't remember seeing a particularly large amount of shark in this moment. Mm-mm. No, I yeah. feel like you don't see it till the very very end. Yeah, sure. I don't think the real shark reveal is to like an hour into the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you get like a glimmer of it underwater, which is like the most we've gotten so far in the film. Like an sure. eye, like the mouth and its eye. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. The color gray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, OK, so Mary Vaughn finally feels uh, a little bit guilty now, especially for this latest death especially since his kids were in the water that day. He also like literally like went up to somebody and was like, you be the first to go in the water. Yes. I also was scared. <laughs> so he like single-handedly made this happen. And Brody convinces him that it's time to hire the local fisherman Quint to find and kill the shark. And Brody and Hooper uh, join Quint as the three of them set out on Quint's vessel, the Orca, to find and kill the shark. They manage to harpoon the shark with a rope tied to a barrel, but the shark still goes underwater and disappears despite being bogged down with a barrel that is now towing behind it. And that night, the ragtag group of Hooper, Brody, and Quint ease some of the tension between them with some drunken bonding. As they share their scars and the stories behind how they got them, we get an opportunity as viewers to become a bit more endeared to Quint when we learn that he was on board the USS Indianapolis a ship in World War II that sunk, leaving hundreds of men stranded in the ocean, falling victim to shark attacks. The men's bonding session is interrupted, however, when the shark returns to repeatedly bludgeon the ship, where he does some serious damage to the hull on the engine, and after doing repairs to the ship all night, the men spot the shark again the next day and attempt to harpoon it, again with ropes tied to barrels. They also attempt to tie the ropes to the back of the ship, but the shark is too strong, severely damages the ship, Quint tries to drive the ship to shore to lure the shark into shallow waters, but in doing so, he damages the already struggling engine. Now with the dip, the ship in danger of sinking, <laughs> the ship in danger of a dip, they decide to try a new approach and send Hooper down in a shark cage with a tranquilizer and a spear. And as the men feared, this approach does not work. The shark is simply too strong and destroys the cage, but Hooper manages to escape by swimming unseen into a cave leaving Brody and Quint on board the ship, and they assume he's as good as dead. 
Now, I went through that pretty quick, but they are on this boat for about 45 minutes before Quint goes down into the cage. And I know Whitney is a fan of this movie. So I'm going to go to to Ashwin, who I'm guessing might have some beef. <laughs> was this too long on the on the boat? Uh, it, it was too long, man. I mean, I, I was loving the build up and the suspense that we were having in the town, and like, uh, yeah, it really felt like a horror film because everyone's like really scared, everyone's under attack, they're panicking, it's chaotic, and then you have these three dudes just hanging out in a boat for like 40 minutes uh, on like this hunt, and you get some great like character building moments between them. But half the time, it's just them, like, explaining how boats work or, like, watch out for this rope or, like, pull that or starboard <laughs> and stuff. And, like, just using these, like, nautical terms, which, I, I don't know, just don't make a lot of sense to me. Or, like, what was doing with the barrels? Like, I, I didn't understand that. So, yeah, I was, I was really confused. Like, where'd all the momentum go in this film? So, yeah, not, not on board. <clears throat> what about you guys? I'll give it to you that it, like, I'll defend this movie forever and ever. But I am very aware that it that it kind of drags at a little like, I mean, it does like I don't know how it kept my attention at such a young. I have no idea. But like if you try to show that's what I'm saying, if you try to show kids today, they're going to get bored with it. Like it's right. it does have some slow moments when they're building the characters and all that. And like there is like 40 minutes of literally them just drinking on a boat and throwing around nautical terms. <laughs> like, that's, exactly. so, so, yes, I, I totally I am okay with that complaint. I, you don't think it like pulls from like the suspense or like uh, the the scariness that was kind of building? Honestly, it's one of those movies I've seen literally so many times that I can't like decipher it. Any, it's just Jaws to me. You know, does that make sense? Like you've just seen something over and over again. You're like, oh yeah, this is that part. Hundred percent. Yeah. Total sense. Yeah. yeah. I think every listener has has at least one movie like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Whitney, I have a neighbor who with kids about like six and four, mm-hmm. and they love Jaws. So really, you're not alone in being able to like sit through it. Really, that is funny because I I Evie doesn't like it and she likes horror movies, but that she gets bored with that one. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying if you go Jaws two is more focused on the kids. It's a bunch of teenagers. It's much. It's almost more like a little bit like a slasher because you've got kids that are running from this threat versus, you know, a couple of adults and this, you know, threat killing random people that you don't know. Maybe you had a thing for boats as a kid and you were down with all these nautical terms. (laughs) Maybe, but the barrels are to keep it. It was to try to keep it from going under. They were filled with air. Yeah, they never explain it though, which I, I guess is like uh, smart on their part, because like as a viewer, you got to kind of piece that together, and uh, it's it's cool like that they they that like they're just kind of taking along for the ride. Yeah, but, uh, I was also confused by that barrel thing for a while. I I think that a movie shouldn't talk down to its audience, but when it comes to boats and nautical terms and stuff, yeah, I think we could I think we could have used a little bit more guidance here and. I felt the same way. Like I could piece some stuff together. Like, okay, it's going to be hard for the shark to swim with barrels on it. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of stuff like that where you're just like, hey, what are they doing now? And why? And could someone please let me in on the strategy here? Um, But yeah. Yeah. I imagine like they talked about it at some point. Like, hey, let's go in the water and tie some barrels onto the shark first. Well, I hate to break it to you, but each movie, the kill 
the shark's death gets more ridiculous, like increasingly <laughs> more ridiculous as each movie occurs. So <laughs> they just keep tying more and more barrel more barrels. Yeah, exactly. They, they literally use the same shot from the end of season. Or why do I keep saying season? I'm used to talking about Stranger Things. The end of Jaws two versus Jaws three. It's the same. Wow. Yeah. And then the conclusion yeah. of Jaws 4 takes place in a barrel factory. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Where it all began. <laughs> the shark just swims over the barrels. It rolls itself along. <laughs> throwing them like Donkey Kong. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so the shark, now madder than ever, leaps onto the boat, causing it to tilt, which sends Quint tumbling towards the shark's mouth, where he is eventually devoured. Again, kind of intense here. He gets like chomped on and blood squirts out of his mouth. Oh, a lot. Yeah. Another, I'm a, he, Brian is that, surprised this is PG moment. <laughs> that man dies yeah. a terrible death. He dies hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was rough. And I don't understand why, why Brody couldn't pull him out. Like, was he too far? I, I don't know. Brody was a big chicken and didn't. I feel like he could have held on to something and reached down. And maybe. Yeah, it was. I, I didn't think Quentin was going to die in this film. That was, that was kind of a shocker. Like, he's such a great character. Oh, no yeah. Reason. Somebody recently, a friend of mine, Drew, texted me his picks for the uh, our character draft, Ashwin. And his pick for character you wish hadn't died was Quint. Oh, uh, no way. Really? really? And that was before he even knew that we were going to be covering Josh. Huh. Yeah, Quint's, Quint's pretty beloved by a lot of people. He's also unlikable. Like, oh, I don't like him at all. Right. Like Brody and and Hooper don't like him, Mm-mm. and he's, he's meant to be a little obnoxious. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's yeah. hilarious. He's kind of like a fun character. To have you on only get like a glimpse of like to his soft side when you realize when he tells the story about being on the Indianapolis. Yeah. Right. Which is true. Did you know that? That's true. That, oh, yeah. Wow. That's not. Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing. Don't you guys think that story would have been a better movie than this movie? The the story of Indianapolis <laughs> after World War II, like that's such an awesome <laughs> setting. And then all the like, characters- Whitney's <laughs> facial expression to the listeners said, "Bro, come on, <laughs> get out of here!" Yeah, I thought that was such a cool story. Yeah. That was, I can't was- believe that there's not actually a movie about it. There might right. be, I don't know, but yeah, I feel like I would have searched it out. I've seen. The best of the best and the bottom of the barrel when it comes to shark movies. <laughs> shark films all over them. That's, that was such a great uh, like storytelling uh, moment. Uh, I, I thought great visuals uh, that that he was uh, putting out there. Pretty haunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A scary story. A scary true story. Right. So now with Brody as the only man aboard the sinking ship, he attempts to throw a canister of compressed air into the shark's mouth. Uh, he succeeds at that, and then he tries to shoot the canister. He finally succeeds after uttering the line, smile, you son of a bitch. And when his bullet hits the canister, the shark is blown to smithereens. Hooper, who's been hiding underwater in his scuba scuba gear in a cave, reemerges and reunites with Brody. And with great relief, they make their way back to shore, paddling back on some debris from the boat. And that's the movie. It it ends. But Um, I'll tell you what, I would have been... Like my anxiety at the end of that movie when they're paddling back is still like sky high because all I think about is all like the dead blood, like the dead shark in the water. I'm like, it's just drawing more sharks. More sharks. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. That's a good point. That's all I think about when I see that scene. I'm like, you guys wouldn't have made it back. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, is I that, mean, oh, does that happen in any of the other Jaws films? Is there like multiple great white sharks? Um, there's a baby in Jaws 3. And oh. it get. Can, can I spoil? Who's, who is here going to watch Jaws 3 and 4? Like, I, I'm telling you, if you watch them, it just has to be a spoof and you can't be mad if it's spoiled because it's so goofy. But everybody baby, can toggle forward 15, 30 seconds if they don't yes. want 3 and 4 spoiled. Go. Yeah. yeah. A, the baby gets caught in SeaWorld and the mom comes to rescue it. And oh then it God. becomes like this whole thing and they're in SeaWorld and the skiers, like the ski thing. And then in Jaws 4, it is. It kills the younger Brody brother, and it goes to the Bahamas to search for the older one because it's like I've got to kill a whole family. It's taking them all out. That's wow, wild. that yeah. is really wild. And it's like a line of sharks because they die in each one. It has to be a new shark. But like that generational trauma is passed on. Yes, yeah. The line of <laughs> sharks so is yeah. just like cannot. Yeah, and they actually. The death from one where he misses the canister is how they kill it in three. They oh, actually yeah. hit a scuba dive tank with a gun and blow it up. Oh, and do it again. Yes, and it's in 3D that time, so you get oh, right. shark. <laughs> you get the shark bits flying towards your face. That sounds fun. Yeah, well, check that out. It's also how you kill an alligator <clears throat> in Resident Evil Two for the original PlayStation. Oh. To put a scuba gear like can like air canister. It's, an air, it's I think it might be like more like a gas canister or something mm-hmm. like that. It's not scuba related, yeah. but some sort of gas canister. Why is Quint just destroying his boat? Like he destroys oh, yeah. the comm gear with oh, a baseball yeah. bat. He chops into the side of the boat with a machete, and then he burns out the engine seemingly on purpose. Does he just kind of have a death wish towards the end here? No, I think he. I think his whole thing was that he wanted to be the one to catch the shark. Like he right. didn't, and he knew that they were getting tired and wanted to go back. Was the way that, I always took it. That makes sense on the radio, but why like destroy his boat though? Like uh, burn the engine out? It was he st- trying to strand them to like have to face off with the shark. That was the way I took it. Like he did not want them taking over to try to force him back to oh. shore because basically he was a you know, a rundown drunk in this small town. And that's all he had to live for was like his claim to fame was going to be catching the shark. Got it. And that, that 10 sense. grand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's an even more unlikable character with those things in yeah. mind. It's super frustrating to watch him do all that. Although, I mean, I see how he's beloved, but at the same time. Yeah. Kind of I beloved wasn't the right term, but he's, you know, people like him for some reason. I don't, but yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think that I'm going to echo Ashvin's thoughts a little bit and feel like I was really enjoying getting to know the town, the suspense building around what was going on, the deaths as they kept coming and some of the emotional impact it was having on people like Alex Kintner's mom. And then it just transitions into this adventure outing. The music transitions too, like the, the, (laughs) John Williams yeah. score gets a little like, it's like adventure happy. movie heavy. It's yeah. happy. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're just three dudes out on an adventure. Yeah. And forget <laughs> about that little boy that died and his mom whose life was ruined. Like, right. It's, uh, it's, it's a weird tonal shift. So mm-hmm. uh, that was a little striking to me. But at the same time, this movie makes attempts to juggle levity 
with the action, with the horror. And I think Spielberg later does a better job of that, in my humble opinion, with Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can see that, like, the attempts and the jokes trying to take shape. I think some of them probably land for some people and don't for others. Um, well, you know, and he tries to develop, you know, the relationship with Brody and his family. You've got the whole scene where the little boy like mimics him and, and, you know, the mom is watching. So they try to like show you, you know, he's this family man and he really just loves his family and wants to take care of them. And he's had, he has all these pressures from, you know, the outside to, ignore it for you know whatever reason right and i feel like we were doing a good job of like getting to know brody there and then once we get on the boat that kind of like stopped for me like then you get to Mm -hmm. know quint a bit more and maybe hooper a bit more but brody you know he's there he's taking action he's reacting but i don't know i feel like he stopped learning about brody he, you are kind of seeing him like uh, he's way out of his environment in like this. Uh, uh, he's like, yeah, he's scared of the water, right? He's never like never mm-hmm. wanted to be out there. So it is kind of cool. I think in his acting, you see some of that nervousness of like he doesn't know what he's doing on this boat. And like, I think he's he's wanting to go back and he's like, is he the one that says we're going to need a bigger boat or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of like that they they show him like uh, in, in in a situation that he's not like in control of and pushing himself. But yeah, I agree. You, you kind of lose a lot of the interaction that he was having in the town. I and mean, I think there's several parts in the movie where I can say that I'm just like, eh, you know, it's just like this is not, like the whole scene with with Hooper at the dinner table when Brody gets drunk. A lot of the stuff on the boat when they're like just preparing to catch the shark, like it drags a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I the one thing that struck me when Hooper came over with that wine, he's like, uh, so how was your day? And they like both kind of giggle about it. And it's. It's just kind of like I'm not ready to laugh yet, and I don't feel like those characters would be either. <laughs> like a boy no. just died, and his mom approached Brody and blamed him for his yeah. her son's death in front of the entire town, and he's like, "So how was your day?" Like, dude, yeah. get out of my house! I'm not ready for that. <laughs> like, yet. Too but, soon, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of some of the tone of Poltergeist. How like I felt like the parents weren't taking things seriously enough oh, like no they don't at all <laughs> yeah no 70s <laughs> i just yeah. didn't believe some of the yeah it felt 70s for some reason yeah right. it was very just nonchalant but that yeah. was also spielberg so maybe it was just you know coming into his, his own parenting like, yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but we can all see that spielberg was a laissez-faire parent yeah, yeah. Uh, Whitney, what are some things that you love about this movie? I was going to say having watched it again, but we recently learned Whitney knows the movie well enough that she didn't yeah, bother. I didn't watch it again like tonight. Um, I don't know. I just love, I do love the score. It's like one of my favorite scores in any movie. And Brody as a character, he's one of my probably top five characters of all time. I love him so much. Just and I love Roy Scheider in general, the actor. So, and it's really, it ties all into like my absolute fear of water and just the open water. And for whatever reason, the stuff that scares me the most in real life is what I will gravitate towards in horror. And I don't know if other people do that, but that's, I don't know if it's a way to bring like levity to the whole situation. Cause like, it's like I can watch this and it's not happening to me, but 
I think it's what I, it's, I started my love for all shark movies and I will watch, I'm not joking. I'll watch anyone that comes on and I'll sit down and I'll watch it from start to beginning <laughs> or start to finish. That's funny. Shark movies. Any like when animals attack movie is probably one of my most underseen genres of horror. I know any Same. sort of, it depends if it's a mammal, I don't watch it. Right. right. <laughs> if, it, oh, if, right. if it was, you know, with the, yeah, with the alligators or the you know, sharks, I'll sit down and watch all of them. It's a good rule of thumb. I, I think you're, I totally agree with you that I really liked Roy Scheider's performance. I felt like he was just the most organic and like natural, believable character, believable performance in the whole movie. And the John Williams score also often gets reduced to, you know, mm-hmm. but it's a really full, like, complex score it has many moods we've got the <laughs> gang going on an adventure you've got kind of like adventure. <laughs> the love and the bonding type stuff with family and you've the creepy like whimsical yeah part. right it's, it's always when it's underwater i think when you hear that like when yeah. you, it's like when you see the light like glistening in the water i think mm-hmm. that's when you get that score ashwin i'm, I'm gonna spoil things for the listeners and, and reveal that this was the first movie that you and I watched together and decided to like, hey, let's make a little club where we like rate the movie and keep track. So we have this back, giant spreadsheet yeah. of our ratings and Jaws is the first one. Back in like 2014, right? Yeah. <laughs> and neither one of us were that wowed. And, and yeah. what are some things you liked this time that maybe you didn't appreciate last time? And then what are some things that presumably keep you from being wowed? Yeah, I mean, I think everything you guys said, like the characters are so good in this film and that's like the the main strength here. And then the score is really good. Uh, I also think like it's just brilliant that we don't see the shark for so long. And I, I don't feel like a lot of filmmakers could have done that, like had that uh, degree of suspense or scariness without like actually showing us the monster. So uh, that that's like a, a huge win for this film. And uh, I think something that it deserves a lot of credit for. Uh, so, yeah, I think I appreciated that a lot more on this watch. Uh, also, uh, we talked about the third act being a little weird and pulling the gas off a little bit. But that last shark attack scene, I, I still think is pretty cool uh, when when it comes up on the boat and, and attacks. And it looks pretty terrifying. Uh, so, yeah, en- enjoyed that. And uh, some of the gore elements throughout the film, Quinn's death uh, and, and the crabs, some of the imagery that we see when they're gutting like that one uh, tiger shark. And we see like that white stuff spewing out like uh, some really creative uh, stuff going on there. So I forgot about that. That's gross. Yeah. That was really gross. Scene, so, right? Like milky white stuff. Ooh. Yeah. Coming out of the stomach. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, there, there's some really cool uh, stuff going on here. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the weakest part of the movie is between like they get on the boat, even though that like exchanging scars is an iconic scene. I feel like from the point they get on the boat to just before he goes down in the cage, that's my least favorite part of the movie. But once Hooper goes down in the cage, things start to get really mm-hmm. intense. And like, it really right. feels like a third act. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I was listening to un, the unspooled episode on this. I didn't get very far into it, but one of the hosts said this felt like a two act movie instead of a three act movie, which is basically just like everything that goes on on the town and yeah. then everything that goes on on the boat. And it does really feel that way. It's just like it's so different once they get on the boat. Mm, yeah. But I feel like the the beginning of the movie is intense and the end of the movie is intense. And I appreciate well, that. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, that that third act's like we're uh, being hard on it. And maybe that's from the context of a horror film. And I think the, this goes back to like your opening question of like, is it a horror film once the main characters are hunting the uh, the monster or the villain? Or I mean, you're just so used to them like always being under attack or being chased. So that, that's where I feel like this one kind of veers off the path of horror in, in, in like the latter half. But what do you guys think? Have you seen that in other films? I think just in my head, any sort of animal, you know, with a taste for, you know, human blood just automatically gets categorized as horror. Even yeah. if like, you're chasing it versus it's chasing you. Yeah, because I think it's because they were forced to ch- like the only way to kill it was for them to chase it. So it was kind of. Yeah, that was the only. But I don't know. Like, I don't think of cocaine bear as horror. And if you, it's really gory. So, well, yeah, I'm all attacking people. The first hour, they don't get on the boat for an hour, pretty much. So the first hour of the movie is a a horror movie through and through to me. Like there is a monster and it's a shark, Mm -hmm. unlike other sharks. It's essentially a monster movie to me, like Mm -hmm. a monster attacking people. It's picking people off one by one. It's a slasher formula. The hook of a slasher starts out with some nameless character dying. So does so does Jaws. Uh, not quite nameless because we later learn she's Chrissy, but they get on the boat. Yeah, there's a lull there and they're a bit more on the offensive, but it doesn't change the genre of the entire movie, in my opinion. It's just a, a point of character development, of drama. And then the end is pretty scary, too, when yeah. he's attacking the cage, attacking the boat. I think between like the people getting picked away, picked off one by one, the fear that like the a lot of the characters feel the mom's mourning. Yeah. The gore and violence. Like it's a horror movie to me. It also has a tag of mystery on IMDb. I don't know where <laughs> what a mystery element comes in. That's weird. That just feels yeah. wrong. With it, maybe because like they don't know it's a shark at first. And it could have been a boat. <laughs> right. That's just a little mystery. <laughs> could have been a boat propeller. Oh, it's yeah. a mystery. <laughs> this whole a mystery time. Movie. Yeah, exactly. What? Yeah. No, I don't know. It's just always. It's one of those that I feel like people will argue about forever, whether right. or not it's horror or, you know, thriller, drama. Yeah, it's a gray area. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if I love, I really, I do like Brody. I felt like Quint was kind of obnoxious, played by Richard Dreyfus, but am you I mean alone in that Hooper? one? Hooper, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, not Quint, but uh, Hooper. Uh, like, something was yeah, a little unlikable about him. I don't know I why. think so. He's a know-it-all. Yeah. He's kind of like... He's how I imagine Richard Dreyfus probably is in real life. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of feels like that. I know nothing Rich about Brad. Richard Dreyfus. I don't either, but it just seems like that's how he is. He, yeah. He just comes across as, I don't know, he just shows up in this town and it's like, it's a very blue collar town, it seems like. And he comes in with his fancy, you know, marine biology degree or whatever and is like, oh, you fools, this is a shark. And, you know, he is kind of annoying. And he meets his like opposite match in Quint because Quint is annoying in like, he like hones in on that, like blue collar, like screw everybody type of. Yeah. Good point. They're both cocky in their own way from like two different walks of life. Like I know everything. No, I know everything. Yeah. Like I'm street smart and I'm book smart. Right. And I feel like in the end there, I don't know if it's super explicit, but like they 
their two knowledges kind of work together to defeat mm-hmm. the shark ultimately, but but not really. At the same time, it's almost just happenstance how they kill the shark. <laughs> like, hey, here's a canister well, in the mouth. He kills the shark, and he was like the one who didn't want anything to he do. He didn't know what he was doing. He just like what he was doing. Knows and, how to use guns. <laughs> yeah, because their plans failed. Guns yeah. win. You know. Yeah. So, but I need. Do we think that a shark could really jump up on a boat like that? Like, are we? No, I mean, this is like a mutant shark. He also see, they see it and they're like, oh, that's a 25 footer. I'm like, that seems like a 50 or 60 footer. Like, do they ever say in the movie, I wonder, how big the shark is? I know they talk about like his bite diameter or whatever. They they estimate, well, Quint estimates 25 footer. Or I think like when they're on the boat, they, they kind of see it. And I think that Hooper is like 20 footer and then Quint's like 25 footer. <laughs> <laughs> or vice yeah. versa, but yeah. yeah, it just seems bigger than that to me. It's a megalodon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I would die if I saw it. So, but yeah. I, I I agree with you guys. Like the, those two characters on their own are pretty annoying, but it, it's cool. Like those three together, I feel like there's like a nice like a uh, balance of like the tension between the two of them, and then them kind of coming together in that second half of the film. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought that's a cool like pairing of characters. I thought the cinematography was really cool. Like, there's just a lot of really neat shots. I think the camera work does a lot to. It's really versatile. Like, it does a lot to build suspense, but it also does a lot to just like give us the feel for the town and like capture what's going on in the background with like just as much importance as what's going on in the foreground, so that everything just feels really organic and it's not just like now this scene Brody is doing this. It's like. Here's the chaos of Brody, mm-hmm. like enveloped in the town in the chaos. <laughs> right. And especially once they get on the boat, there's some really cool shots oh, like yeah. up on the mast looking down. And when he's like, he's got the chum bucket and he's like, why don't you come down here and chum some of this shit? And then he turns uh, around, but then you see the shark come up behind him. Yeah. Like, and it's the way the camera yeah. angle works. That's a great shot. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot of just like still <laughs> photographs from the movie where you're just like, that's iconic mm-hmm. and like yeah and probably and like, like you said him, in stranger things repeated over and yeah. over again in other media yeah there's and, and when he's i think it's he's on the like mass or something he lays on the mass to like aim and shoot the shark and yeah. see him you know close his eye before he pulls the trigger and i feel like you see that shot everywhere mm-hmm. right or him with those like his uh like what are those so, glasses are the the sunglasses that are, what are they called? They're like the Tom aviators. Oh, and he's got like a cigarette in his mouth. Cause the man smokes. Like, did you notice how much smoking is in the movie? I mean, everybody is just like lighting up left and right. I totally missed that. I didn't think about that at the time, but now that you mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Roy Schneider was like a super heavy. He died of lung cancer. So he was like a super, super heavy smoker. Oh, did he? Oh man. Yeah. So I feel like those, he was really like puffing on cigarettes. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. You ready to guys? You ready to rate it? Do we even have to ask so. me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna start with you. So zero to five scars you only show people when you're drunk. Oh, I've got all five of them. Nice. Five, five scars for everybody. No surprise. <laughs> oh, <no>. Nice. <laughs> Ashwin, how about you? Oh man, I I've got uh, three scars that I show people when I'm drunk, uh, and I think it's just everything we talked about. Like it's such a great opening, and and 
um, yeah, set up and execution so good, and and the shots are great, and love that they don't show the monster. But yeah, that I I, I guess I got a little bit lost in that that third act, and uh, I felt like the momentum was uh, stripped away a little bit. How about you? I'm I'm right there with you, and this is part of why we brought brought Whitney on to uh, be a powerful shark for. <laughs> An ally. We are the two yellow barrels trying to uh, keep her from. Never keep me down. Swimming freely, yeah. <laughs> But I give it a three out of five scars as well. I think the thrills and special effects on display are undeniable, but the pacing and tonal issues keep it from being as exciting and menacing as it could have been. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I was bored as a kid when I saw it at a young age, but like older than you, I was probably like mm-hmm. nine or 10. And I was just, I couldn't pay attention. And now as an adult, I'm like, okay, okay I kind of understand why. I found it hard to root. For the characters, too. Even though I like Brody, there's just, like, nobody. I'm, like, I'm behind him or I'm behind the whole team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to hear what our listeners think, too, because I feel like there's going to be people who are, like, Jaws is a classic. You guys are idiots. Thank God I'll you had Whitney. tell on. you what it's going to, like, and I am fully aware that, like, my <laughs> nostalgia plays a huge part in this. So sure. you're going to get, I feel like you're going to get me and old man JB and like Mike L, like they're all gonna say that they love this movie, but like right. the younger kid, like the younger guys, like Blake and everyone, they're gonna. I don't think they like it. I know Blake doesn't like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I predict. I, I predict a pretty like segregated result based on age range, mm-hmm. but we'll see how it goes. I'd like to hear from yeah. the listeners on this one. Whitney's got me really interested in uh, two, three, and four. Like those plots actually sound awesome. I, I am too. <laughs> yeah. When you were when I was little, you could go rent Jaws three, and you could get the three D glasses. Oh, nice! It's like the blue it. and red uh, mm-hmm. glasses. Oh, and nice. it is a very bizarre choice to make that movie three D, but they were just hopping on the bandwagon, I guess. It was that time. Two is yeah. genuinely good. I say, like, I think it is a. It's got a good story. It's much. I think it fits more smoothly into the horror genre. I'm interested cool. to see too. I'm interested to see more shark movies, more like when animals attack movies in general. I think we got to cover more of those. Ash, we've barely done any. Yeah, like I know. open water is another one. I never saw oh, right. that one. Open water is yeah. bad feelings. I, I heard mean, that it, was pretty or, intense. Yeah, it's. I don't like that movie. It's. I mean, I've seen it, but it's just bad feelings when you watch it because yeah. it's based on a true story. Oh, okay. Yeah, those oh. give those those are harder for me. Yeah. But yeah, maybe we could just watch the USS Indianapolis movie instead. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What, Whitney? Piranha. Piranha. Oh, yeah, yeah Prana we could 3D. do Piranha. We could do Piranha 3D. Yeah. Yeah. You could All do right. tons. There's tons of animal movies. Anaconda. It's, I think oh. someone requested Anaconda even. Anaconda does not hold up well, but <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's it wouldn't. Still a joy to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I even not knowing like. I feel like we were in a time period where I, as a young boy, couldn't really judge CGI for what it was. Mm-hmm. And even in my memory, I'm like, that's bad CGI in that movie. Yeah, it is bad CGI in in Anaconda. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I don't know how movies like that get so many sequels. I know, right? I think there's just so many people who are like, yeah, I'll click on this big, dumb monster movie. It, me? It's me! Yeah, <laughs> and no shade. Like, I get it. Yeah. They're, they're fun. They have their appeal. Yeah. Yeah, you guys could do Deep Blue Sea. That's a good horror movie. That's a good oh, one, yeah. yeah. I do like that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you could do, I can just go on forever. You can right. do lively one. <laughs> like you can do all of them. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Whitney, thanks so much for joining us again. And uh, tell everybody where they can find Scoops Ahoy again oh, and yeah. maybe your social handles too. Yeah, it's always Scoops Ahoy Pod. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Scoops Ahoy Pod. And then we all we have Scoops Ahoy Pod at Gmail if you want to write in an email that we will definitely read on the show. So, like, nice. Just what we do. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You and Colin are doing a great job over there. Thank you. Very professional operation, unlike over here. And oh, if you are a Stranger Things fan, you got to go check it out. Uh, Ashwin, anything else before we wrap up? No, it's it's been a lot of fun talking about this movie with you, Whitney. Thanks for being on the show with us. Thanks for having me in yeah. my favorite movie. So. Thank you for defending Jaws as if it needed defending. But, Apparently with you two. But does. here's two idiots. Who <laughs> <laughs> just don't get it. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been our discussion on Jaws, everybody. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That helps other people find the show. You can get in touch with us at horrormovieclub.com. Just click on the social links drop down and you'll find all the social platforms there, including Discord, where you can come hang out with listeners and horror fans including Whitney on there come chat us up and uh, great community we've got going there if you want bonus content go to horrormovieclub.com and click on the big orange button for Patreon and you can subscribe for a dollar a month and until next time if you're trying to kill a man-eating shark off the coast of Amity Island and you know it likes to eat people maybe use Mayor Vaughn as bait and uh, you can kill two birds with one tank of compressed air. Yes. <laughs> Don't vote for him in your next election. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't